0: With five days left till the midterm elections, Joe Biden keeps stepping on political rakes. In a shameless play to buy votes, Joe Biden is announcing that senior citizens will be receiving an historic raise in their social security checks. Quote, Seniors are getting the biggest increase in their social security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership. That's a tweet from the White House. Good news, right? This is Talk about it. If you got nothing else to campaign on, all right, we're gonna give senior citizens a lot of money. People are very motivated to vote. We're just gonna give you a lot of money. That's good news, right? Well, it would be, except for the fine print, except for the most magnificent fact check in the history of social media brought to us by Elon Musk and Twitter. This is the context added when the White House sent out that tweet. Quote, Seniors will receive a large Social Security benefit increase due to the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on the inflation rate. That's not all. So they're saying the only reason you're getting this big boost to your Social Security check is because Joe Biden's inflation is out of control. But then it goes on to say- President Nixon in 1972 signed into law automatic benefit adjustments tied to the consumer price index. (laughs) So so no, it's not that Joe Biden's just giving you a lot of money. He has to do that because the inflation rate under him is so bad. And also, it wasn't Democrats who even set up that rule. It was the Republicans who set up that rule. Just absolutely devastating. The situation right now is so bad for Democrats that Joe Biden can't even give away money to likely voters without reminding them what a crappy president he is. The whole thing was so embarrassing that Biden deleted the tweet. (laughs) Okay, it's over. It's over. Every indicator suggests that the voters are breaking overwhelmingly for Republicans even Democrat voters, even in Democrat strongholds. And if the Democrats want to stop the red tsunami that is approaching, they're going to need to do a serious runaround, the sacred democracy that they're always pretending to hold dear. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Mark and Nan. Who say, when I was a kid and during my first presidential election, you voted on election day. One day, period. And as I recall, David Brinkley kept you up to date on election day. Yes, no, but that was, that was back in the old terrible days when we didn't have nearly as well-functioning a democracy as we have now. That was back in the day where you'd go on election day and cast your votes and then figure out who won, and then you would have a great deal of confidence in the integrity of the elections. Now, however, we're told a week in advance, oh, you're not going to have the results on election night. No, it's going to take days. It's going to take weeks. It's going to take as long as it takes to get enough Democrat ballots (laughs) so that the Republicans don't win too much. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So stay at home. Don't even show up to the polls. Just mail in your votes. One good thing you know, about staying at home, you get to cook lots of really, really great food. And when you need propane for those grills, for that turkey fryer, you got to check out Cinch. Right now, go to cinch.com. Use promo code Knowles. It is officially turkey frying season. And everyone is very excited, of course, to break out that turkey fryer. But before you do it, you got to call Cinch. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane tanks right to your door. Cinch delivers on your schedule, no long-term commitment or subscription required. Plus, delivery is completely contactless. You don't have to be home to receive the delivery. You can track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. Are you looking to exchange a tank Cinch handles that whole process for you. So you don't have to go to the hardware store or gas station. You can exchange any brand of tank as long as it is a standard grill size. You choose your delivery date and Cinch handles the rest. Go online to cinch.com or download their app to order. New customers can get their first tank exchange for just $10 with promo code Knowles. Go to cinch.com or download the Cinch app. Use promo code Knowles to get your first tank exchange for just $10. bucks. C Y N C H.com. Promo code Knowles. This is a limited time offer. You must live within a cinch service area to redeem it. Cinch.com slash offer for details. If you are waiting for the Democrats to, to finally make one good argument for why voters should elect them, you're just gonna keep on waiting, okay? I would not hold your breath for that occurrence. Biden can't give away money. He can't even campaign on increasing social security checks without it backfiring on him. Then, Biden comes out again. We've got, what, five days left now until the midterms. Biden comes out. He says, listen, I'm, well, actually, I, it's very, it's very difficult to interpret even what argument he's making here.
1: You know, we're, we're going to charge, you. I'm making this up. We're going to charge you 10 cents per an aspirin. And you say, no, we're only going to pay five. Well, we're not going to sell it to so, you. No problem. They're going to lose 50 billion maps <laughs> aspirin or whatever the hell they sell. The point is, they're going to have to respond.
0: I'm not just going to make fun of Joe Biden being incoherent and his brain not working. I'm gonna, I'm doing my best to figure out what it is he's trying to say. Shumala, humla weed, and you got ten cents, Jack. Come on, man. You got wait, hold on now. And you don't. I don't know what they sell. They sell aspirin or some whatever the hell they sell. We're gonna we're gonna buy it ten cents. Come on, Jack. You know corn pop bought. What he, what I think he is trying to say here is that the Biden administration is going to negotiate with Big Pharma on behalf of the American people. I think that's the point he was trying to make. We're gonna be tough on Big Pharma. We're gonna lower drug prices. We're gonna stand up for the people against Big Pharma. I think so. That's certainly the most charitable view of the gibberish that he just came out with. But even on that, does anyone believe that? Does anyone believe right now you got two parties, the Republicans and the Democrats. Which one is in the part? Which one is in the pocket of Big Pharma? Does anyone seriously believe that that it's the Republicans in the pocket of Big Pharma that the Democrats are fighting Big Pharma for the past three years? Democrats at every level of government have, have used all of their energy and the entire force of the law to force you to pay Big Pharma a bunch of money and to inject yourself with a dangerous experimental drug that came out of Big Pharma, which was completely protected from legal liability. And now we're supposed to believe, hey, Jack, I'm gonna really take it to Big Pharma. No, that's not true. You're the face of the COVID regime, bro. No one believes that. And this is not even some little side issue that people aren't paying attention to. You shut down their world. Unfortunately, both parties were involved in shutting down the world. But it was the Democrats who insisted it remain shut down. It was the Democrats who insisted that the schools remain shut down. It was the Democrats who insisted on mandating the Fauci ouchie, the dangerous experimental drug that people have had a lot of problems because of, or else you lose your job. That was the Biden administration mandate. So now you're gonna look us in the face and say, come on, Jack, I'm gonna take on Big Pharma. No one believes that. Even the point he's trying to make is absurd. And so last night, Joe Biden had the Hail Mary speech. Joe Biden came out, he said, I'm gonna make a speech defending democracy. And Joe Biden already tried this tactic. He tried that you know, in front of the big infernal red wall where he called half the country fascists and you know, was gesticulating wildly. And the speech did not go well. It got terrible, terrible reviews. So because the Democrats have nothing, Joe Biden just tried it again. <laughs> he tried the exact same speech. Half the country's evil. They're terrorists. They're- he didn't call us fascists this time. Per se, but he he insinuated that we're fascists and he did call us a threat to democracy. The aesthetics were much better. This time, instead of the infernal red, you know, gigantic backdrop, it was just a regular blue wall with some American flags behind him. But the speech was substantively the same. And it was a speech not on any political issue because all of those don't look very good for the Democrats right now. It was on democracy.
1: I know there's a lot at stake in these midterm elections from our economy, the safety of our streets, to our personal freedoms, the future of health care, Social Security, Medicare. It's all important. But we'll have our differences. We'll have our difference of opinion. And that's what it's supposed to be. But there's something else at stake. Democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown that an overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy at ri- is at risk that our democracy is under threat. They, too, see that democracy is on the ballot this year, and they're deeply concerned about it. So today, I appeal to all Americans, regardless of party, to meet this moment of national and generational importance. We must vote knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment.
0: Democracy is on the ballot. Forget about all those political issues, you know, immigration, the economy, healthcare, education. Forget about all that because we're terrible. Our record is terrible and we're deeply unpopular on all of that, we Democrats. But democracy is on the ballot. So as I'm hearing him give this speech, I just keep asking myself, what does he think democracy is? I'm no political science PhD, but last time I checked, democracy is what the majority of people vote for. That's democracy. That's all democracy is. It's what most people vote for when they participate in their government. It's, it's different than aristocracy. It's different than oligarchy. It's different than monarchy. It's, it's, just, that's, it's just what the people vote for. That's it. So if the people want to elect Republicans and they go out and they vote for the Republicans, that cannot be a threat to democracy. That would that necessarily, by definition, is an expression of democracy. But Joe Biden doesn't seem to understand that. He goes on to give his definition of democracy.
1: For democracies are more than a form of government. They're a way of being, a way of seeing the world, a way that defines who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do. Democracy is simply that fundamental.
0: That's not true, none of that is true. Democracy actually just is a form of government, <laughs> it's, that's all it is. It's not a way of seeing the world. It's not an, an ideology exactly, it's, it's just a form of government, different than oligarchy. Well, now, unfortunately, our democracy seems to be much closer to an oligarchy, but democracy itself is different than oligarchy, it's different than monarchy, that's all it is. What Joe Biden is describing here is not democracy. What he is describing is liberalism. Liberalism really is a way of viewing the world. Liberalism really is an ideology. Liberalism really is a kind of identity, a deep identity, especially for these people, for the liberals. But liberalism and democracy are different. And I'm not the first to point it out. Adrian Vermeule has made this point. Patrick Deneen has made this point. A lot of other people have made this point. When the liberals say democracy, they mean liberalism. That is why when the people vote against them, it cannot be legitimate. And so I'm looking at the elections now, and I'm looking at how Twitter is warning that the election is going to take a really long time. It's going to take days and weeks to count. And you're, getting, you're hearing this from the Pennsylvania Secretary of State. Oh, don't expect results on election night. No, it's going to take days and weeks to count. And I'm looking at all of this, and I'm saying, oh, they're, they're trying to rig it. <laughs> they're trying to rig it. This is not some crazy conspiracy theory. The Democrats bragged about rigging the 2020 election in Time magazine in a very lengthy essay. I quoted it at length the other night during a YAF speech at the University of Kentucky. But they brag about this stuff, how they changed all the rules, how they suppressed certain lawsuits to rig the election in 2020. Because they say we we have to save democracy, rather. And so if democracy is on the ballot, then in their minds, they're justified in doing absolutely anything they can, up to and including rigging the election. So now we're in a weird situation where when conservatives win, the liberals deny it because they don't consider us legitimate participants in our democracy. When the liberals win, we deny it because they rig the elections and brag about it openly. So here we are. Nobody really believes that the elections are legit anymore. The Democrats, I think, are much more at fault about this. They have been denying the elections much longer than Republicans have and which, m- with much less reason. They, they denied the results of the 2000 elections. Some deny the results of 2004 and objected to these elections. The woman who lost in 2016 denied the results of that election. Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams continues to deny the results of the 2018 election. Okay. It's really, it's really only 2020 where they changed all the rules and admitted that they rigged it that that the conservatives said, hey, this doesn't seem like a totally legit election. But either way, regardless, I'm not, I'm not even here just to point fingers and cast blame. Regardless, here's where we are. Neither side believes in the integrity of the elections. And you've got Joe Biden himself saying the election is essentially only legit if we win. Because we, the liberals, are the only supporters of democracy. The MAGA Republicans, which statistically means all of the Republicans, oppose oppose the democracy. So when they win, it is by definition illegitimate. So here we are, the great defenders of democracy are saying that only they can win. The great defenders of democracy, Joe Biden and the rest of them are saying, if we don't have one party democratic liberal rule in this country, we no longer have our traditional American system of government. Those are the stakes. And they're gonna keep counting those freaking ballots until they get the answer that they want, if they have any opportunity to do so. It was ironically a very, very anti-democracy speech, and it was. Th- th- I'm not going to subject you to the rest of the stupid Joe Biden speech where he says, you know, he talks about the attack by the BLM-loving, gay pride-waving, nudist, hippie, hemp jeweler from Berkeley, who is a, a now apparently the most right-wing Republican in America, who went into the Pelosi's home under very suspicious circumstances, and. There were all sorts of questions raised by the dispatch call, where Paul Pelosi apparently knew the guy, according to the dispatch recording, and said he was a friend of his and knew him by name. But now they're saying he didn't know him at all. And the whole thing stinks to high heaven. But Joe Biden uses this this, uh, apparent home invasion uh, right before the election to say that the Republicans are terrorists and insurrectionists. I'm gonna spare you all that stupid stuff. There was just one line that really drove me crazy. Because again, it seemed to set the stage for Democrats trying to rig this thing next Tuesday, where he said, look, you can't only love your country when you win.
1: I've said before, you can't love your country only when you win. This is no ordinary year. So I ask you to think long and hard about the moment we're in.
0: Really ironic coming from the head of the Democrat Party. You'll remember infamously, Michelle Obama said in 2008 that the first time in her adult life that she was ever proud of her country was when it elected her husband. (laughs) So She's saying, yeah, I didn't like my country at all. I only like it when, not only when we win, the Democrats, but when I personally win, the Obama family gets to go to the White House. And and furthermore, you see (laughs) from the Democrats and their rhetoric, not only do the Democrats only love their country when they win, they don't even seem to love it then. (laughs) <laughs> the Democrats don't love America. They don't, they don't. I know you're not supposed to say that, but that's what, that's what they say. When Barack Obama campaigns to fundamentally transform America, what he's saying is, I don't love America because you don't want to fundamentally transform things that you love. You want to fundamentally transform things that you you don't love, or at the very least that you think are just so awful are in just such a terrible state of disrepair that there's nothing worth preserving about them, that you've got to fundamentally change it. And Democrats have said this for many. America's racist. America's awful. It's bigoted. It's terrible. It's imperialist. It's this-ist. It's that-ist. They hate it. They hate the country. They want to radically change it. And they, they are radically changing its system of government. The other irony about the whole pro-democracy line here is that the founding fathers hated democracy. <laughs> And the the word democracy appears nowhere in the Constitution. It appears nowhere in the Declaration of Independence. It does appear in the Federalist Papers, which explains the system of government that the, the framers gave us. And every single time it appears in the Federalist Papers, it appears with disapproval. The framers and the founders hated democracy. They established a republic. Where there is a distinction, it's a little bit of a nuanced distinction between what a republic is and what a democracy is. And a lot of people are dead certain that they know the exact difference. But I think the founding fathers themselves were actually uh, somewhat contradictory uh, on on this topic. Regardless, what the effect of it was, was to give us a regime that had a lot of different elements. It had a kind of monarchical element in the executive who was strong. It had a kind of aristocratic element in the Senate and and other political structures. It obviously had a strong democratic element and representation for the people. It had checks and balances. It was just a kind of a, a mixed regime. But the idea that America was established as our sacred democracy, it's just completely made up. That's a retconning by, by the Democrats, who ironically don't even like democracy themselves. But this is their line, they're sticking to it. So Karine Jean-Pierre now got, gets her marching orders from the White House. She says, that "If basically, if you vote for the Republicans, you're voting against democracy.
2: The president has long talked about our nation being at an inflection point. He has been clear democracy is under assault and we cannot pretend otherwise. The president will continue to call attention to the threat to to democratic integrity and to public safety posed by those who deny the documented truth about election results and those who seek to undermine public faith in our system of government. Unfortunately, we have seen mega, MAGA Republican officials who don't believe in the rule of law. They refuse to accept the results of free and fair elections, and they fan the flames of political violence through what they praise and what they refuse to condemn. It remains important for the president to state strongly and unequivocally that violence has no place in our democracy.
0: The mega-maga Republicans are an existential threat to our democracy because they deny the results of elections. They say that the elections are stolen sometimes, and that's the big lie, and that's why they're a threat to democracy, says Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House Press Secretary. Now, on December 17th, 2016, here is what Karine Jean-Pierre said. Stolen emails, stolen drone, stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented, unprecedented, get it, Trump. Uh, March 12th, 2019, this is what Karine Jean-Pierre had to say. The race, Stacey Abrams' race in Georgia, the race was stolen. Okay. And then we have a uh, reminder Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. But the mega, the mega, mega Republicans, they're the, the existential threat to democracy because they uniquely deny the results of elections, right? Not only. Are Republicans not unique in questioning the results of elections? We do it probably one one one-thousandth of the time that the Democrats do. It's only a problem when we do it. So what is this, hypocrisy from the Democrats? No. To quote again that great conservative law professor, Adrian Vermeule, it's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. You see this in a story from the New York Times. I couldn't believe this headline yesterday. Black faith leaders in Georgia speak out against Herschel Walker. Oh, good. They're speaking out. Herschel Walker is really bad. It's good that those faith leaders are speaking out. The pastor, Jamal Bryant, delivered a fiery sermon on Sunday denouncing Herschel Walker, said in 2022, we don't need a walker, we need a runner. It was an instance of black faith leaders in Georgia amplifying their criticism of the Republican Senate candidate. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a lawyer. Isn't that illegal? Isn't that illegal for churches which have tax-exempt status to preach politics from the pulpit? Because that's what I was told. I was told that breaks federal law. And actually, I hear in the pages of of outlets like the New York Times, like the Washington Post, like all the leftist establishment media, that this is an evil, terrible threat to America when those pastors are are preaching against the Democrats, when they're preaching out on politics. But you see, the, the pastors, the real pastors who take Christianity seriously, They speak out against the left because the left is essentially opposed to Christianity. In fact, the left comes out of an attack on the church. That's where the word comes from. It comes from the French Revolution. The People who sat on the left of the National Assembly, they were the people who were attacking specifically the church. So real pastors, real Christians speak out against the left, (laughs) okay? And to put it as bluntly as I possibly can. And so the, the libs hate that. And so they always threaten to take away the tax account status of ch- churches that do that. And they, they always say it's a, a law and they're going to prosecute these people and all the rest. But then when the wolves in sheep's clothing, the wolves in shepherds' clothing, who from the pulpit preach leftism and, and lead their flocks astray, they say this is a wonderful thing. Oh, it's, it's just a great example of faith leaders speaking out. But it's not, it's not hypocrisy. It is hierarchy to quote Vermule, they, they don't care that, yes, they think it's a double standard, sure, but they don't think that, that the left and the right are comparable. They don't think that the, the leftist pastors and the right-wing pastors are comparable. They don't think that the Biden voters and the Trump voters are comparable. Only the leftists are considered legitimate to these people. And Biden has, has said it himself. He said, Democracy is threatened by the very existence of half the country. Yes, that's incoherent if you think that by democracy, he means democracy. That's not what he means. He means liberalism. And if you contradict the libs, there is no limit to the lengths that the libs will go to boot you out of our political process. Now, you know, tomorrow, very, very exciting. We will have the voicemail bag. I love getting voice mailbag uh, uh, come in every single week. And uh, some people have asked, how do I submit a mailbag question? They sometimes submit it through my personal website. I don't know if this is going to go to the mailbag. That's not how you do it. The way you do it is you go to dailywire.com. You go to the Michael Knowles Show page, and you say submit a mailbag question. Then you can either type it in, or if you want your mellifluous voice to be on air, you just record an audio file. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your computer. Whatever app you use to record audio files, keep it to less than a minute so that I can put it on air, please. I don't need your letter to the world. You know, we don't need a full manifesto here. We have limited time on the show. Then attach that to the email, send it in. I will get your beautiful voices tomorrow on the show. You know that the Democrats are desperate because they are, they're, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel of who can give them any energy going into the midterms. They're turning to Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney. Does Liz Cheney have a constituency? Now, her, her state kicked her out of the Republican Party. She got unceremoniously booted out of Congress in Wyoming. A Cheney, the Cheneys are legends in Wyoming, got booted out there, super Republican place, booted her out of Congress. Now, she is backing Democrats, pretty left-wing Democrats. And it's just a reminder that it was never about Trump. Liz Cheney is backing Tim Ryan over J.D. Vance in Ohio's U.S. Senate race. She says, I would not vote for J.D. Vance. I would vote for Tim Ryan if she were in Ohio. Uh, She's hitting the trail for the Democrats. Now, what we were told by the Liz Cheney's of the world and by her supporters is, this is just about Trump. Trump is a unique threat to democracy. Oh, is it? Is, is J.D. Vance also a unique threat to democracy? Now a lot of these people are turning on Ron DeSantis. Is Ron DeSantis also a unique threat to democracy? These people all hate Ted Cruz. Is Ted Cruz a unique threat to democracy? That's a lot of unique threats to democracy. Because unique, last time I checked, I'm no philologist, but last time I checked, it means one. Now how come there's so many of these people? It was never, it was never about Trump. It was always about any threat to the liberal power structure. And that's why you had people who would vote with Republicans some of the times when it didn't really matter. And they would take fairly conservative positions sometimes. Liz Cheney would take fairly conservative positions sometimes when it really didn't matter. You know, you, you could vote really, really pro-life when Roe v. Wade basically gelded all pro-life legislation. You could vote for tough immigration enforcement when there was never going to be any immigration enforcement whatsoever. You could vote to get tough on China when they knew that they were never going to change the trade relationship between the US and China. But then Trump comes in and he starts actually doing these things. And he starts actually putting pretty conservative justices on the court, unlike George Bush, who accidentally put some conservative justices on the court, but tried to put liberal justices on the court and did end up putting John Roberts, who's pretty liberal justice on the court. George W. Bush, who talked a good game on conservatism, but he was basically for open borders. He was for Wilsonian adventurism around the world. He was for basically the kind of Clinton global trade, foreign policy. It was just all, it wasn't a big difference, okay? And that's what, that's what Liz Cheney is doing here. And that's what all these guys, that's what the Lincoln Project is about. That's, it's people who, when they saw that we could actually win, they retreated back To their masters. They retreated back to their real team, which is the liberal establishment. Now, Cheney does not represent Republicans, obviously. She does not represent people in Wyoming, obviously. She doesn't represent women either. Really great news coming out of the Wall Street Journal. One of the big struggles for the GOP in recent years is that suburban white women moved Democrat. And they just they just didn't like Trump, they didn't like the tough talk, I don't know, whatever it was, they just they, they moved Democrat. There are all sorts of explanations as to why that was. I think that Trump actually got too much blame for the, for the move of suburban white women out of the GOP. But regardless, they're coming right back into the Republican Party now. Suburban white women have shifted 15 points in favor of GOP control of Congress. This is a crucial, uh, demographic. Uh, the, the move demonstrates a 27-point move away from the Democrats since the journal's poll back in August. So it wasn't that long ago. And the white suburban women consist that uh, they make up 20% of the electorate. So why is this? The, the Trump haters will say that this is because Trump's not on the ballot, and so we're finally getting the suburban white women back. I don't think that's really the big story here. I think it's just crime. I think crime is the big story of the midterm elections. I think that the Democrats for the past several years have campaigned on defunding the police and abolishing the police and letting the criminals out of prison. And normal people hate that. Normal people of all races, especially women, across the the fruited plains, sea to shining sea in America, they hate it when you let criminals out of prison. And they hate it when they have to fear for their property and their lives and the lives of their family. And I don't think it really has to do with Trump at all. The other big story here, Democrats put all their eggs in the basket of abortion. They said, look, we're losing on the economy and immigration and foreign policy and on and on and on. But the one issue we're gonna run on now is that the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade. And this is gonna fire up women all around the country. And the women are gonna come out and vote for us. And we're gonna stop the red wave. And we're actually, maybe we'll even have a blue wave. We'll see what, and then it just didn't happen. Just didn't happen. And actually, it's not even just that you know The women shifted f- firmly to the Democrats, but the men kind of overwhelmed them. No, no, no. The women shifted to the GOP. They don't. One, the pro-life movement is mostly women. <laughs> okay? And the pro-life issue, it splits women basically 50-50. And the momentum is clearly on the side of the pro-life movement. But also, just poll after poll shows, most people don't vote on abortion. Even I. I care about abortion a lot. I will vote on abortion. I'm part of 15% of the electorate that does you might care a lot about abortion. You are part of a very small portion of the electorate that does. And that 15% includes both the pro-abortion fanatics and the defenders of life. So what is it, seven and a half, seven and a half? It's just, it's so small. The Democrats just completely, completely miscalculated here, both on crime and on abortion. And and far from seeing the, the GOP split Or the women vote split, or anything like that, you're actually seeing it all come together. And you're seeing it come together in a really crucial place in Arizona. So, in Arizona, Blake Masters is running for the Senate against Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly is a rubber stamp for Chuck Schumer, and he's a Democrat, but he's got an interesting personal story. He's an astronaut. His wife, Gabby Giffords, was shot at a political event. And she had to leave Congress, and then he runs and he, he enters the Senate. And so he's got a good personal story, even though he's an absolutely terrible senator. Blake Masters is running, in many ways, as an avatar of the new right. He's not just re- reciting all the same stupid platitudes that we've heard for the last 15 years from the squishy loser Republicans. He's talking about real things. He thinks that tw- the 2020 election was stolen. Okay, his words, not mine. Don't take me off YouTube, but that's what he thinks. He says that in America, it should be a top priority of our p- politics to make it, to, to create the political conditions such that people can raise a family on one income. Really, really great stuff. Talking in explicitly pro-family, traditional conservative terms. I absolutely love that. Uh, uh, on and on. We've interviewed Blake on this show. I'm really supportive of his, his campaign. He, he was behind a little bit in the polls. We'll see. It's gonna be a real nail-biter. But he got great news because the libertarian candidate in that race, Mark Victor, just dropped out and urged his supporters to vote for Masters. Really good news. Now, one thing that's unfortunate about the way that the Democrats have rigged our system in the last few years is that they've taken election day and turned it into election months. in some cases election two months. There's widespread mail-in votes. So the question is how many people have already voted for Mark Victor? I don't know the exact rules in Arizona, so it might not be as bad as it is in some states. The other problem is Mark Victor will be on the ballot. So he didn't drop out early enough to not be on the ballot, uh, which is too bad. That would have helped Blake a lot more. But in any case, good on Mark for for dropping out. He says, after a discussion with him, I believe it is in the best interests of freedom and peace to withdraw my candidacy and enthusiastically support Blake Masters for US Senate. I intend to assist in any way reasonably possible to elect Blake. Great line. And that's how Republicans should be thinking. And not just Republicans, it's how moderates and even center left people should be thinking. I Think about the people who were on the left, who in recent years, seem to be supporting the Republicans more than the Democrats. I think about really prominent people, Joe Rogan. I think probably Bill Maher. I think about uh, people like Elon Musk. Elon Musk was on the left for most of his life. He seems to be much more on the right right now. Normal people who say, look, I might not agree with everything this candidate wants. I might not agree even with their basic way of viewing the world. But I know that something is just really, really corrupt. Something is really, really wrong. Something is really, really incompetent about the Democrat Party. It's it's ironic that, that the Democrats are making this play right now to say, regardless of what you think about the issues, you've got to vote for us because we're the defenders of democracy. I think it's totally the opposite. I think it's the opposite in reality, and I think it's the opposite in the perception of the people. I think a lot of people who don't like the Republicans generally or who are not, don't consider themselves all that conservative, they're looking at the system right now and they're saying, wow, the Democrats pose a legitimate threat to democracy. They're rigging our election system. They're calling half the country terrorists and fascists. They're sicking their jackbooted thugs on their political opponents like Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. They're calling parents at school boards domestic terrorists. They're trying to transgender our kids against our will. They're trying to, they're just, they're such a threat to our traditional way of life, such a threat to our rights, such a threat to our liberties that we can't vote for the Democrats. We've got to vote for the Republicans. The collective leftist meltdown that I hope will occur on election night next week when they are voted out, unless they, you know, water main pipes break or something, is going to be glorious. They deserve everything that's coming to them. Nothing will match it. But I will say, a close second is everything rolling out here at Daily Wire Plus. Episode two of Jordan Peterson's new series on marriage is out. This episode is all about negotiating, or I should say, learning the proper way to negotiate. Next is Candace Owens' brand new episode of her show, Taboo, featuring special guest and multi-platinum selling musician MIA. You'll hear about her rise to fame and being canceled for speaking out about vaccine mandates, among other topics. Then there's Ben Shapiro's Sunday special. Ben sat down with Tennessee Governor Bill Lee to chat about school choice, fighting through COVID policies, his experiences on a women's health clinic board, and more. Last up tonight at 7, uh, 6 o'clock central, Daily Wire Plus is releasing the documentary film My Dinner with Trump, which is a behind the curtain look at the former president and his closest advisors as they dine together at his private club in Bedminster. Regardless of how you may feel about the man, this is Donald Trump as the media would never show you. Certainly nothing like this exists or ever has existed on the right. It's just fabulous. Love him or hate him, I promise you, you've never seen anything like it. So yes, it's a big week around here. If you are not yet a member, there's never been a better time to join. Go to dailywire.com noles to become a member today. They're doing whatever they can, and it's still not enough. Joe Biden just announced a plan yesterday to pay for heating bills for some people before the midterms. Biden administration announced six days before the midterm elections that the federal government will provide $4.5 billion through the Department of Health and Human Services to, quote, help lower heating costs for American families this winter. And the funds will cover unpaid utility payments and, quote, help families make cost-effective home energy repairs to lower their heating and cooling bills. Okay, again, this is just like the Social Security payments. They think that this is a great headline. Hey, we're going to give you a bunch of money. But because we're talking about a topic that is so basic, why is everything so expensive? Why is it expensive to go buy groceries, to go buy gas especially, to heat my home? Because it's about something that people are very, very familiar with at all degrees of the political spectrum. The question that this policy will raise is, why are heating costs so high? Why do they have to do this? Oh, because of the stupid energy policies of Joe Biden. Don't forget, gas prices are super high right now. They're double what they were when I moved to Tennessee. I moved to Tennessee two years ago. They're double what they they were. That's with Joe Biden releasing a million barrels a day out of the strategic oil reserve. That's with Joe Biden emptying out our strategic petroleum reserve. Not totally emptying it out, but really depleting the thing. And it still has had basically no effect on the oil markets. And the, the, the effect that it has, such that it has brought prices down, that's going to end at the midterm elections and the prices are going to go back up to what they were. It's just a disaster. And a lot of it's caused by the war in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine that essentially was caused by Joe Biden, as I've mentioned on the show many times. And by shutting down the domestic energy industry by saying no new oil and gas leases and no new oil pipelines. And so when people get their checks, they might say, oh, okay, I'm glad you're paying for my heating bills. Why can't I afford my own heating bills to begin with, Buster? Why are you spending $4.5 billion of my money, by the way? It's not your money, Joe Biden. It's my money. Why are you spending my money to subsidize the heating bills that I used to be able to afford that I can't afford anymore because of your stupid policies? Speaking of Inefficient ways to spend money. This story came up a couple of days ago, and it horrified me. You know that I'm not much of a dog person. I'm not a cat person either, but I'm not I'm not really a dog person. I'm a I'm a people person. And this is so sad. There's a, a restaurant in San Francisco that is now serving dogs filet mignon in what is considered to be the first eatery designed only for dogs. This is not like you go to the cafe and they have a little puppy bowl of water and treats or whatever. This is The restaurant is only for dogs. It's called Doge, D-O-G-U-E, like Vogue, Doge. And it launched in September in the Mission District in San Francisco. And the meals include several courses and they cost $75 per dog. I kid you not, costs more money to feed a dog at this restaurant than most people pay even at a nice restaurant to go out and eat themselves. it does include a mimosa and a pastry for the dog's owner, but the real food is for the dogs. The dog plates have items such as chicken skin waffles, filet mignon, steak tartare with quail egg. Ooh, that sounds nice. And uh, some of the food you know, is relatively affordable. It can get up to $95. Why? Why is this happening? It's happening for one reason and one reason only. It's because people are not having children. And so they are treating their dogs as their children. I'm not opposed to dogs. I don't really like them and I don't intend to get one, but I'm not opposed to dogs. They're fine in theory. I like them in theory. But I really don't like dogs when the dogs are treated like children. And, and that's what has happened in our society. People, people don't want to, they think that they don't want to have kids because they think it's too much responsibility. And they think it's too expensive. And they think they're not in a state in life where they can, and they'd have to make the commitment to get married, ideally. And, you know, it's just too much responsibility and commitment. Man, I'm just going to start out, I'm just going to get a dog. It's the same thinking that, as people say, "Well, I don't want to get married right away. Maybe I'll just move in with my girlfriend. You know, just kind of—it's a lesser step. I can get out whenever I want. It's less responsibility. You can't, you know, take a—you can't take a kid to the shelter. You're not really supposed to. You can take a dog to the shelter if it's too much. So, I'm going to do that, and that'll be a lot easier. But the the practical effect of that is you don't have less responsibility. Really, people treat their dogs like children. They they spend. Every bit of time that they would spend on children, they just channel all that time toward their dogs. I know people who get babysitters for their dogs to come over to, for their homes when they go away and sit with the dog for days on end and spend all sorts of money on the dog's vet and the grooming and the food and the filet and everything, okay? And this is what they think about cohabitation. They say, oh, I'm just going to move in, but it's, then it's not as much of a commitment. It's not not going to be as intense as getting married, but it is just as intense. You know, it, you are living with this person. You You're very often putting the same amount of energy and emotional investment and, and money even into that, you're just not getting the fruits of it. So you're putting all the same amount of money and, and time and care into your dog. But you, the dog's not gonna take care of you in your old age. You're not going to see your smile reflected on the face of the dog. You're, you're not going to get little doggy grandchildren someday. You're not going to get to go to your doggy's ballet recital. You're not, And even now, it's really sad. People will take their dogs to doggy daycare, and they'll get little certificates for your doggy completed this task, or your doggy jumped through the hoop today. And they, so you, you just can't deny your human longings. And so what people are doing is they're not avoiding that emotional and financial expenditure. They're just putting it in a, in a dead end place. Same thing with, with cohabitation. You're not avoiding the financial and emotional expenditure. You're just putting it into a place where there's much less stability, where the whole thing could fall apart, where it's not designed to grow and grow your family and grow your life. And people just people just need to grow up and save the flame mignon for the adults. Save the flame mignon and the quail eggs for me, okay? Because I can appreciate it much more than a dog. And stop, use You're not, you're not going to avoid, you're not going to avoid civilization and society. You're not going to avoid the way that that life has been lived for millennia, okay? We think that we, in the modern age, we think that everything that came before us was really dumb and stupid, and we figured it out. Sometime in the mid-1960s, we figured it out that all the people that came before us were dumb idiots, and they were totally wrong, and we've reinvented the wheel, and we're just so smart, and we can avoid all of the eternal questions and natural longings of human beings. And it's it's not true. It's not true. And the more we deviate from the wisdom of the ages and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the more we, we channel our, our desires into bizarre places, the less fulfilled we're going to be. Stop it. Give your dog a bone and you eat the filet mignon. That rhymes. Speaking of seething, I'm seething. It drives me crazy. I hate, I hate the dogs as children stuff. It drives me insane. Speaking of people seething, the liberals are seething over Elon Musk taking their blue check privileges away? Well, he's actually not taking their blue check privileges away. He's just going to charge them eight dollars a month for it. And you can tell it's all the art of the deal stuff. First, he comes out. He says, "I'm going to fire three quarters of the staff," and everyone freaks out about that. And he's he's probably going to fire a much lower number. But whatever he fires, it'll seem like a compromise because he started out at this insane negotiating position. So he opened up. He said, "I'm going to charge people twenty bucks a month for their blue checks." And then everyone freaked out about it. And he said, OK, I'll, it'll only be eight bucks a month. But that was probably his number to begin with. And he says, I'm going to charge you eight bucks a month if you want to keep your blue check, if you want to get special privileges with your blue check, because uh, I'm, I'm going to democratize the blue checks. And AOC in particular lost it. She goes, LMAO, at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an $8 a month subscription plan. Elon Musk, just keep, I love the Elon Musk AOC dynamic where he'll say, hey, stop flirting with me. Come on, I'm shy. Don't. Hey, come on. And he, so he responds here, he goes, your feedback's appreciated. Now pay $8. <laughs> because it's not. he's not charging $8 for free speech. He's charging $8 for what he's referred to as the lords and peasants model of Twitter that has prevailed until now, which is that if you're on Twitter and you have a blue check, I, I, I am one of the the blessed few who has a blue check. And it's true, you get amplified a lot more. You you have a much wider reach. It's considered not just a way to verify your identity, which is what it was supposed to be, but it's considered a mark of prestige. Which, this is why it was really strange back when uh, in 2016 or 2017, the liberals took away Richard Spencer, the white identitarian political activist. They took away his blue check mark, his verification badge. Well, if it's a verification badge, why would they take it away? Did he stop being Richard Spencer? No, they took it away because they knew that it was a mark of prestige and they wanted to take that prestige away from him. And so Elon Musk is coming in and saying everyone should get the prestige. And the liberals, the Democrats, ironically, they say, no, we don't want that. Is it about the eight bucks? Elon also replied to AOC with a picture from her campaign website where she is selling a purple sweatshirt, just a cheap purple sweatshirt for $58. He's like, is $8 so hard for you? Also, AOC drove a Tesla. I don't know if she still does, but she, the woman famously owned a Tesla. <laughs> okay, so she's doing very well, and she clearly likes Elon Musk's products. But it, it's, it, in a way, it is just a perfect representation of the stakes in this election, which is the Democrats are telling you that if you don't support them, you hate democracy. Meanwhile, they do everything they possibly can to undermine democracy. Whether we're talking about trade deals, whether we're talking about immigration, Whether we're talking about Election Day or whether we're talking about your blue check mark on Twitter. Democrats are the party of oligarchy. Maybe they always were. They certainly are now. The Republicans are the party of democracy. For better or for worse, that's the situation that we are in right now. And many people have perceived that. And that's why people who not that long ago would have called themselves Democrats and who really care about democracy and they're, and they're anti-establishment. It's why they are flocking in droves to the Republicans. It's why the Democrats are trying so hard to suppress their votes. Now, I don't know very much about polling, so I'm going to invite on a master pollster, Robert Kahaley, to tell me what I should know going into the midterm elections. The rest of the show is continuing now. You don't want to miss it. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.